0: Welcome to the History of California podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. I'm very excited to announce that we're going to be moving away from my low-budget uh, intro theme music uh, in between the end of this little intro uh, bit that I do at the beginning and the actual content of the show. Um, as you know, this show is a fairly low-budget, um, and I have a few people that have... Uh, you know, jumped on board and are supporting us through Patreon, but I could always use more support. Uh, this podcast is something that I want to grow and keep working on and continue as long as I can and build a real library uh, of California history that people can listen to on their way to work. Uh, that's the goal of the podcast, um, and I need your support to do that. You can either do that by uh, supporting me on Patreon, or you could do that uh, by just simply hitting subscribe Uh, giving us a rating and a review. Uh, Those reviews are uh, so helpful, um, and I really appreciate them. So today we're going to talk about uh, Mexican uh, secularization of the missions. Um, Today is an interesting topic, um, in part because we misunderstand the word secularization. Um, And secularization we take to mean one thing, and oftentimes it can can mean something completely different. So let's get into it. Today we're gonna talk about secularization. Almost 13 years ago, a scholar named Charles Taylor published a book called The Secular Age. Uh, In it, he deconstructs this idea that we live in a truly secular world. That in fact, instead of having a universal secular worldview that governs and carries our entire society, um, but rather that the world was open to a new buffet of options. Um, And we can see this, uh, you know, with the modern meditation apps, uh, you know, cults and religions popping up over self-help, every brand of Christian denomination, where our world is full of options. But uh, what I want to focus on is that he attacks this idea of secular meaning one thing. We we often latch on to words that um, we think mean something specific, but placed in their historical context... Uh, they can mean something completely different. Um, and so when we think about secularization today um, and we get familiarized with the uh, what that means in the context of the Mexican period following the Spanish uh, departure from that area, um it means actually something quite different, um, and so you know me. I enjoy quibbling about words and terms, and today I'm going to quibble about some words and terms, um, and specifically what secularization means. So, um, what do we mean by secularization? Um, some of you may remember from the last episode that we met Governor Echineda. Uh He, we talked about his emancipation dec- decree. Um, And we talked about how Emancipation in this particular context Wasn't necessarily the same Kind of emancipation that we might think about uh, From an American history context When we talk about the Emancipation Proclamation Of 1863 and Abraham Lincoln Um, So That Emancipation Proclamation That Governor Echineta passed um, Is Actually um, Something That did not go far enough uh, For Indigenous people and actually really just transferred them. Um, so here's what the emancipation uh, decree that Governor Echineta passed says Quote, uh, having served 10 years in the mission, an Indian may claim his liberty, provided any respectable settler will become surety, surety uh, for his future conduct. A piece of ground is then allotted for his support, but he is never fr- wholly free from the establishment, as part of his earnings must still go, must still be given to them. End quote. So this emancipation was at best paternalistic. Um, a native needed to essentially be a respectable settler to be a kind of supervisor. Essentially, native people were given the option to work for the church or work for regular settlers. Hardly an emancipation which is why it is often referred to as only a partial emancipation. In fact, uh, some of observers believe that natives' lives were worsened by emancipation. Quote, I have seen the greatest amazement that the Indians who dwell in the Pueblo of Los Angeles live far from the wretched oppressed of those in the missioned. There is not one who has a garden of his own, or a yoke of oxen, or a horse, or a house fit for a rational being. The equality with the white people, which is preached to them, consists in this, that these Indians are subject to the white comisionando and are the only ones who do the menial work. In all reality, uh, they are slaves or servants of white men who know well the manner of securing their services by binding them a whole year for an advanced trifle. The benevolent ideas of the government will never be realized because the Indian invents no other ambition than to possess a little more savage license, even though it involved a thousand oppressions of servitude. So this is someone that's observing uh, what's going on, um, and they're describing what this emancipation actually looks like. Um, The emancipation of the native people in the Mexican period um, was not necessarily an emancipation that we would like to think um, which, you know, is always always the question, right? Um, I've just recently been watching uh, a Great Courses Plus series on the history of England during the medieval period. Um, and one of the things that the uh, lecturer in that series talks about is conversion. Uh, conversion we often take to mean, in kind of the sense that it's used by uh, evangelical Christians today, um, we take that to mean um, that it's someone making an internal decision Um, and that internal decision uh, then changing their lives. Um, But conversion back then was actually a top-down procedure. It was uh, the the early kings of the Anglo-Saxon period uh, converted to Christianity, and then that Christianity passed down to the Thanes, who were the nobles, and then passed down finally uh, to the serfs or the peasants. And so conversion, emancipation, secularization, all of these terms are terms that we use casually to express concepts, but in reality, they're so much more complicated. Um, So, back to our story. Um, As a result of all these complications and uh, the economic motivators of the Mexican government, led them to pass uh, in the Congress of Mexico uh, a secularization law. This was in 1833, um, and this law was an important feature of the First Republic one of the key drivers of the new institutions that were being created was the desire to dismantle many of the aristocratic class distinctions that were residues from the colonial period we see this pattern in the us which is often uh, you know more of a facade than actually making things equal um, which we can talk about uh, you know the fact that slavery still exists uh, in the constitution um, but uh, nonetheless um, these are valiant attempts Uh, by people to improve the world. So we have to do, we do need to give them credit for that. Uh, So let's get to the law itself. What is the secularization law that was passed in 1833? The law seemed to suggest that each mission would be transitioned to a town. Uh, We learned in previous episodes that the original intention of the Spanish colonizers was to use the missions as a preliminary stage uh, in the process of building these pueblos or towns. Uh, It appears that this law was simply accelerating the same process of creating towns, uh, but included native people in the land ownership. Now, the reason that this does not transpire the way the law intended it to is the same reason that we have judicial review in the United States. Uh, Sometimes the executive branch, and I'm not going to talk about politics here necessarily, uh, I... You know, there's a very entertaining review by someone that said uh, that I, they'd prefer me to uh, keep to California history and not dip too much into politics. I, you know, uh, for me, uh, current events and history are so intertwined um, because the way you see history is really dependent on the way you see the world. And I think one of the benefits of learning about history is to. Uh, take those lessons and apply them uh, to your day. And so that's what I'm trying to do here. I just want to use this as an opportunity to exercise historical thinking and thinking it through current events and uh, you know, thinking through uh, how history applies to us today. Um, so anyway, back to the story. Uh, sometimes the executive branch, um, in lots of situations, uh, will misuse a law or use it in a way that Congress did not intend. Um, And there is a check on that power, and that's judicial review, which is the Supreme Court uh, can rule uh, that, essentially, a law is not being used correctly um, or something is unconstitutional. Uh, We need this check on power. Uh, We need the judicial system. Um, Now, in the particular context of Mexico, they didn't have a system like judicial review. And if they did, it wasn't very effective at this point, especially um, in a place like California, which was on the frontier. Um, So the law was intended to transfer, transition ownership of the land to the native people in small plots. Um, There's also supposed to be larger plots that were held in common where livestock could graze, that everyone would work, but each person would get their own plot, kind of Jeffersonian uh, style land ownership. Um, but, you know, in order to be more communal and also maintain these common lands, they would all still be required to work the common areas. So you'd have land ownerships and the native people in, in this, in theory, behind this law, they would own a little piece, um, and they would also contribute to the greater piece, which, um, is a beautiful vision in some ways. Unfortunately, it was also required that they worked a the communal bit. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, how progressive that was. But in theory, uh, it sounded pretty good, especially for um, the native people who had been working on these missions. Uh, What the law actually translated into becoming was more uh, large landowners in the hacienda style, uh, or the ranchos tradition. Um, And these owners tended to be of Spanish descent. You've probably heard the term hacienda before. The term refers to kind of plantation-style arrangements, which are more geared towards money-making, not a single uh, family subsistence. And Some of these would include mines, grazing areas for cattle, and some for farming. Uh, The families that control these haciendas tended to be from the upper class, which of course is ironic given the professed changes that the ruling elite wanted to make to society. Um, and then most of these decisions were locally made with particular uh, local governorship and then provisional legislators, as well as officials that were put in charge of kind of breaking up the missions into these land plots to be distributed. Um, now, I don't wanna characterize this process of secularization of the breaking apart of the missions um, as a wholly corrupt and wholly uh, bad process for the native people, particularly in Alta California, um, which, like the Frontier, um, was a lot more open. Uh, Native people were given uh, land titles uh, in California that did occur. However, uh, the vast majority of land grants of the Mission Land went to private uh, Hispanic landowners. Uh, corruption also was quite was rife throughout the entire process. Uh, the officials that were placed in charge of distributing and inventorying the land made it the primary goal of the process to enrich themselves as much as possible. Uh, officials would receive kickbacks for selling off land to some of the wealthiest families whose names are still said almost every day as they are as their names uh, are on city streets, city names, um, like the Bandinis, the Castros, the Ortegas, the Vallejos. Um, ultimately, it was the aristocracy, it was the wealthy, it was the Spanish uh, colonizers that ultimately uh, benefited from this secularization law that uh, intended to, a benefit the native people. Um, now this process in a lot of ways reminds me of the transition uh, following the end of slavery in the south where many former slaves worked for large landowners and found themselves in debt to that land owner. System was called sharecropping. Um, the process was quite similar with native people transitioning from working for the priest of the mission to working for a new landowner on a rancho uh, where that native person depended on the rancho's landowner for everything. So essentially what the secularization law did was uh, it redistribute land. Uh, it readjusted to own the land, and it sought a new uh, way to control the native indigenous people. The background to this, of course, was the, the government of Mexico was not on the best terms with Rome and the Catholic Church. Uh, during the Spanish period, the Catholic Church was intimately involved with the government and territories of Mexico, Uh, But after the War of Independence, the Catholic Church claimed they still had the right to appoint and manage patronage. What does this mean? Well, like we're talking about a lot today, it comes back to the term, the concept, patronage real, which is the concept that the Catholic Church granted the right to build churches, appoint officials, um, and manage revenues. Um, And they ceded that right, those abilities, to the government, in, in this case, the government of Spain. And so what the catholic church claimed was that since the spanish government could no longer manage the affairs of the church in the newly independent mexico those rights should be returned to the catholic church the catholic church even though uh, they were allied with the spanish government and the spanish government was no longer there uh, they should ha- still have the right to kind of manage uh, the affairs of these uh, missions that were the mexican government was dismantling um to say that Mexico rejected this logic would be an understatement. Uh, they began kicking out Spanish-born individuals. There was a mass exodus of clerics in 18 by 1840, um, and there were more secularization laws and breaking down of mission structure. Um, the liberals in Mexico wanted to push further and further um, for this divide between uh, the government and the church, um, and that was something that they... Uh, believed would be the way to, uh, it would be economically beneficial, but also um, it was a way to uh, have more control over their society and not have these, uh, you know, Catholic priests that they saw as still, you know, allegiant to a church that was intertwined with Spain. So, phew, where does this all, where does this put us in terms of drawing some conclusions about the secularization process of the mission system? First, the process, as I said before, appeared well-intentioned in its inception. The legislature of Mexico appears to want to honor some of the early promises that were made uh, to the native people of land ownership. Um, Likely driven by the liberal push uh, of Enlightenment ideals with the elite leaders of the country, this idealism makes sense, and it's admirable. Uh, We see the same thing in the United States in some of our early documents. The Declaration of Independence was an earth-shattering document in terms of the statements of rights and privileges of all human beings. Uh, But just like in the United States, in terms of carrying out those actions or living up to those ideals, the track record is a little more spotty. Uh, Local control often translates to kickbacks and corruptions if there's not much oversight. It's what evil you ultimately want. Top-down control often leads to blind violence. Um, There's a great book called Seeing Like a State uh, that kind of covers this concept. I'll put that in the the notes in today's podcast. Um, But from the other point of view, local control often leads to corruption as well, just of a different flavor, where local holders of power can dictate terms and get favors in exchange. Okay, and ultimately, on the backstage is the larger geopolitical contest between a new government and the Catholic Church, who has long held power with an iron fist. Amidst all this, the victims are the same the native people, the original inhabitants of California. And that's where we're going for today. Until next time. <music>